right. Hello, Field Podcast audience. I'm so happy to be here today with um, the lovely Megan Locklear. I know Megan um, through my daughter, Sierra, primarily. All three of my daughters know Megan. Um, Megan has been a mentor and very dear friend to my daughter, Sierra, as well as her husband, Tim. They met through their time together in Southern California when they, um, Sierra joined FCA Volleyball after being an intern there. Um, Megan was her leader as an intern and then became someone who hired her on to work with her there and then handed it off to Sierra when Megan went on to do other great things. So that's how I got to know Megan. I got to share with Megan earlier today that through her leadership that she provided to Sierra and to our daughters, a couple of our talking points are actually inspired by her. And it's really fun to be able to get to tell her that in person because I've never gotten to share that with her before. So that was a really cool thing to be able to share with Megan today. You're going to love hearing from this smart, bright. I I would say Megan has always been a person to me that seems wise beyond her years. She just does things with such intention that I'm always intrigued by what she's doing, because I know she doesn't ever do anything lightly without asking a lot of the questions. The other question that Megan really inspired is our why and our values. That's another one that really came from what our daughters learned from her and then brought home to us and said, we need to talk about some things about how we communicate and how we make decisions. And Brady and I got dragged along. (laughs) We eventually eventually wised up to it. Um, Megan is easily inspired by healthy leaders and teachers teams, and she is interested and motivated to work with those healthy leaders and teams. And that is so true. That is what drives her. And it's that I would say another word I would have, she has such intentionality, like which really makes sense why she and Sierra and Tim are friends, because those three humans are some of the most intentional people you'll ever meet in your life. And um, Megan, so thankful to have you with us here today. Thanks for joining me. Yes, very excited to talk and catch up. And um, yeah, anyone (laughs) in y'all's family gets a yes from me. Oh, well, thank you so much. Megan, it's another funny story about Megan. So Megan um, has this darling little spot in Huntington Beach, California. Are you still in that spot? I am. Okay. It's just adorable. It's a few blocks from the beach. It's this darling little spot. But Megan grew up in Charleston area. And so she goes home for Christmas to Charleston every year. Well, when Megan vacated her spot, especially during COVID, when we were all trying to kind of be close together, Brady and I would travel to Southern California for the holidays and we would stay in Megan's little cozy spot without her there when she was visiting her family in Charleston. So she was always so generous to share her space with us. And we were always so thankful for that. So lots of fun um, connections with Megan. And you're going to get to hear about what she has going on right now. And again, you get to hear from the original author of some of these talking points that I have uh, stolen and and made my own in this podcast. Um, To find more about Megan, you're going to want to know about some of these things she's involved with. What inspired me to call her lately is she's got this new um, thing that she's involved with. You can find it on um, Instagram called Men and Women of Discomfort. I can't wait to hear about this. I was like, oh, I got to reach out to her. I'm so intrigued by what she's doing. Um, And that'll all be in our sources um, notes that you can find on all of our socials, on our website, embracinglayers.com. So make sure to check those out. And Megan, we're going to jump right into it here. Megan, spending some time with family. I think you just had a birthday. I did. Yes. Got to celebrate with my twin sister and my family. 
Yes. Do you hit that every year? Do you guys always get together? Have you ever missed I a birthday? I have been able to get together. I haven't spent it here in Charleston in a few years because it's just close enough to the holidays that I don't fly home. But this was. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and she's able, and Anna's now Dr. Anna. She's a vet, yes. correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes. she's, she's able to join um, Dr. Anna and her twin, and they look exactly alike. So you're going to see this beautiful picture of Megan and just know there's another beautiful Anna in the world. <laughs> yeah, very beautiful. <laughs> oh my gosh. So wonderful, wonderful. So, all right, Megan, um, starting off with how to prioritize self-care in your life. What does that look like for you? Great. So, um, I'm going to take a hard right turn and it's based on, um, this, I think we're calling this social experiment, but uh, the men and women of discomfort group, I think yeah. I'm approaching self-care. I'm flipping the script and I'm redefining self-care around discomfort and not comfort. Oh, because it's uh, self-care. It's usually around that conversation of how do I get more me time? How do I get that massage? <laughs> how do I go on that yeah. walk? And I'm not saying that you can't have those in your life, but Comfort as an ideal is kind of what we're challenging a bit. Yeah. Um, That like challenge, inconvenience, struggle, overcoming has been kind of taken away as much as society can take it away. Um, And we're kind of going through, okay, what would it look like if we did the opposite of if like we embrace discomfort Um, and it's kind of around the, the process that the world is a whirlwind. And uh, does hardship have to surprise us every single time? <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. Why are we so shocked? Why are we shocked when we hit an obstacle? You know? Sure. And yeah. we get ahead of it. And instead of pursuing comfort um, in every area of our life, um, let's proactively embrace discomfort and increase our capacity to handle hard things, basically. So, yeah. Um, so, self care, I think I read this recently. Uh, another way to describe self-care is kind of getting to your yourself to a point of capacity to that you have capacity to extend to others, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, like self-care. Um, I don't think anyone's interest in self-care is just lands on you. Mm. you know? I think mm-hmm. women especially, but both men and women are starting to engage in understanding like, okay, I, to care for others well, I do need Absolutely. to prioritize some things for myself, you know? Right. And so I think just the next conversation that we're adding right now and kind of experimenting with is does self-care, it doesn't need to be centered around comfort and it should, should it be? Oh, that's so, see, that's what I mean. I knew I'd be intrigued about this because she always approaches things from this angle that maybe you wouldn't think about before. I mean, but then you sit with it a little bit. You're like, okay, because I mean, really, if you think about it, if we can get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. How much more peace and contentment would we have? Mm-hmm. Because so much of our angst is around those, okay, is like, what is that next thing that's coming or being shocked when we get there? Whereas we can, if we can sit in it and be comfortable with that discomfort, we yeah, can, right. it doesn't, sh- yeah, we don't get shaken out of our, you know, peace and contentment anytime something comes up. So mm-hmm. I can see, but, but yeah, but that's not, that's not our inclination. That's not our human inclination to go towards that. No, voluntarily. Just, oh, well, nobody wants to embrace discomfort. Somebody actually told me like, that's the most like ridiculous name, like men and women discomfort I've ever heard in my entire life. And <laughs> I think our response is like, it's not for everybody. It's literally not. For 
It can be. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you have to decide going into it. I mean, I think it goes back to that whole thing right now that if we're really going to move the needle on anything in our lives, in this country, in this world, we have to continue to be curious, Mm -hmm. continue to willing to learn. Mm -hmm. And, and you have to have those two things in if you're, before you can even walk into being curious about this and being willing to walk into discomfort. So I can't, I can't wait to see what you learn. I feel we're going to have to have you back later and be like, all right, give us a report. You're a year in, how's it going? What are you finding? But I think it's man for the people that are willing to take the dive. I think Mm -hmm. that's going to be really interesting and amazing to see, um, what are, where it leads mm-hmm. and why not? Let's find some things that are going right. to, to work and move the needle. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Okay. All right. Confidently setting boundaries. I, you're a boundaries queen. So this <laughs> is going to be, I feel like you should probably write a textbook on some of these talking points, but <laughs> talk to me about, talk to me about your journey with boundaries. I mean, what, at what point did you be like, did you realize this was something that was important, that was necessary and how to do it in a healthy way? Right, right. Well, I think, um, so the tension that I think I started holding when I started, um, I, so many people gave me that book, Boundaries. And to be honest, I yes. think I read it. <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about um, figuring it out for myself and uh, as a Christian, figuring out what God has to say about boundaries. Because I saw a stint that um, like a vast majority of people were going to the direction of like idolizing individualism. Mm. I don't even know if that's a word. I just made it up and I think it lands. <laughs> I think it is. I think okay. it sounds good. It sounds like a word. I just made it up. Yeah. People, context, <laughs> we're smart people here. We're growing up. Uh, realizing like, okay, let's take a step back and figure out what's the bigger picture here. And it comes back to, we'll get to values, I think, later Mm -hmm. on in the conversation. But I think that I recognize, okay, boundaries, I think, increases with age as long as your self-awareness is increasing along with your aging process. So the boundaries that I have set right now look vastly different than 10 years ago. Absolutely. I, I think I had the foresight, or thank God that he gave me the foresight that Okay, there's a tension between knowing your values. You know, there's some mm-hmm. baseline values that we've got, even in high school, okay? Sure. Despite you don't quite know your why or your values quite yet, but you understand like, okay, I'm committed to learning and not getting in trouble. <laughs> you know? Let's just so, start there. We're not going to make dumb decisions here. We're going to live, you know, to actually my current team has a value to make your mom proud. And it kind of like summarizes all those values. Like in sure. Stay away from drugs, you know, don't drink too much, you know, those kinds of like baseline values. Sure. sure. Once we get past that, there's like, you know, deeper values where you're motivated when you wake up and excited to step into what you're doing, even if it's uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And so let's say 10 years ago, if I had just swung to the side of like, know who I am and my values, everything else is no, there wouldn't have been this open mindset that I had. So sure. it's this tension of like, okay, I'm, I'm clear in my values and this is what I say yes to. Mm-hmm. And then I've got an open set of margin in my life that I get to say yes to things that I'm not quite sure about. Right. You know? And so 10 years, so if I were to compare, you know, what boundaries looks like now versus then, I had a lot more, like, let's say when it comes to time, a lot more time mm-hmm. to say yes to things that might end up being a waste of my time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know? 
Maybe. And that's just the discovery process. Like I might discover sure. new values and that's where the open mindset I think is important as yeah. in the boundaries conversation. Um, and because boundaries could turn into walls really quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, Sierra and Tim and I, I had a conversation with them last fall on the podcast and Tim has a really great word that he uses guardrails. Mm -hmm. He's like, I didn't want to feel like I was putting this wall up. So I've got these guardrails that are mm -hmm. like open, we can bounce off of them, but there's also room. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's just not, and I thought, oh, that's a really interesting way to look at it because okay. I think, yeah, boundaries can become something that become prohibitive and mm -hmm. rather than helpful. I mean, they're for us to allow us to not overstretch ourselves. But I think especially when you get into relationships, mm -hmm. you've got to be mindful that they're not blockades either. Right. They right. they put in, they're there to create protective safe space for you, whatever that looks like, mm -hmm. but not where that you're imposing on the other people, you know? And oh. I think that can get really tricky. Like, this is where I'm at. This is why... And I've created this space. It is up to you on your end on how you navigate that. I'm not going to tell you that mm -hmm. instead of, and I think sometimes we come in hard, especially early on when we've never done it before, when bound, like I really yes. like had no boundaries in my life three years ago. <laughs> and when Sierra and the girls came home and started talking about boundaries, I have boundaries. I'm your mother. There's no boundaries. What are you talking? I mean, I, <laughs> excuse me. Um, so you tend to go in like hot first. And then you got to kind of pull back and be like, oh, okay, I've got to leave some room for nuance and flexibility and changing my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, right. uh, yes. You know? Mm -hmm. So great. yeah, I think staying open to like, there's maybe three values in my life that they're not moving. Those roots are deep, right. you know? And yeah. then honestly, there's, there's been moments with um, some of the teams I'm working on where they're kind of looking for my input and I'm like, literally I'm on the fence. I actually have no opinion on this and I'm not going to make it up because there's a few other voices sure. that do care about this because it's part of their value system sure. and rely on them to set the boundaries, you know? And yeah. I think with, um, yeah, with holding that tension, the clearer that someone gets, you know, as they like age and mature, um, I just think that it's just an equal formula of like the clearer yeah. you are in your highest values. Um, you get clear on what you say yes and no to. You get clear on how you interact. You know, I the boundaries yeah. conversation really came up with, okay, what um, when it comes to language about people, mm -hmm. how, we up, how we talk about people that are in the room and not in the room. And yeah, and that's like one of my top values. And it's crazy when you when you remove options with boundaries, sometimes freedom happens, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When all, all of a sudden, you know, okay, that's not allowed. I'm not going to say those things about that person when they're not in the room for me. That just takes that off the table. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, all right, that's gone. And that's a right. really, I'm glad you brought that one up. Cause that was a really key one. I remember um, the girls mentioning very early. I'm like, that's really important, you know? Yeah. And then, and then having the courage that if you violate that in some way to be able to go to that person mm -hmm. and be like, because I honor our relationship and I trust our relationship so much. I want you to know that this happened. And yeah. I think that is a whole, you know, that's a whole other bit, bit starting there in that space and just knowing, but yeah, the freedom piece I think is really big. I feel like we could talk about this all day, but um, thank you so much for your input on that. I really appreciate that. All right. Taking care of our emotional health as much as our physical health. Mm -hmm. um, 
what are some practices you have in place to process your emotion in a healthy way so they don't get stored up in your body? This yeah. has been a big one for me. I carried stuff for years and it showed up like a Mack truck when I was 50 years old. You all are much smarter and on top of your game sooner and got on this stuff in your 20s. But talk to me about practices you have in place for that. Yeah. Well, there's there's two um, kind of main goals I'm working on personally that I'll share with you. And, um, and they kind of get into like nerdy science stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I'll, yeah, Gabor or Gabor, Gabor, Gabor Mate is someone I'm reading recently, Mm -hmm. uh, through a really close friend of mine. And, um, he is basically bringing data to the table that shows Mm -hmm. the mind body connection of, um, how important it is. Uh, to express, you know, anger, emotion, you know, and I think, I I feel like we skipped that step and just talked about, you know, at best, if you are angry, this is how you deal with it. And it became about like suppression or curbing it, you know, before it became about like freedom or priority of expressing and asking for things and making requests. And so he's just putting some interesting information and data from, I think, two decades of his research wow. in front of the world right now through his books um, and teachings about what what happens to the body when um, we don't make requests and what we need, whether it's social support um, or expressing uh, an emotion, you know, that is surfacing in you. Sure. What happens to the body. And um, it kind of, I don't know, re- learning about that, it's starting to make sense in my mind of, okay, if it's staying in the body, that means it's- Yeah, it's got to go somewhere. Yes. And yeah, how does it, like, does it manifest physically? And he's saying yes. And so I'm just, it's, I hesitate to bring it up because it's stuff that, one, I barely know anything about it, but it's something that I'm learning. Yeah. Like, there's just um, good data behind, like, at a gut level- you know, what intuitively makes sense to us of the importance of expression and asking for help. And if you're, if, if you're someone like a mother or taking care of her kids or, um, taking care of your parents, you know, he's kind of gearing towards like the people that are Mm. caregivers Sure. kind of told that takes on the body um, Absolutely. and how to go about putting up support systems around yourself. And, um, anyways, so that's the first one. And the second one, I'm a little bit more versed in talking about, and that's the conversation that my personal experience is not talked about enough. And that's just the difference of the female body. So yes, <laughs> yes, I've been of like female gyms and never brought mm. up what happens with your hormones and how that affects your nutrition, your movement how your cravings. Um, and so on within the men and women of discomfort group, I lead a sidebar conversation with the women. Um, nice. that's just informing like high level. Okay. The first two weeks of your cycle, this is, we're not, there's a lot of stuff happening, but let's just talk yeah. about it here, you know, sure. the second half of your cycle. And we can start getting ahead of the times where, um, we understand what's happening in our body and it's beautiful, you know, Mm-hmm. We get to like reframe how we're relating with our body. Yes. And it's not, and it's for us, not against us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It may feel, yeah. Cramps don't feel that great, but remember we're fine being uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> with it. And this is what's happening in your body. And it's actually, it's saving your life every single month. Um, and, but then also we, 
we go through kind of a, a check-in process each week of, okay, like where are you at in your cycle based on what we know is coming up? How do you mm-hmm. get in front of it this week? And it's crazy. I mean, some of these women are 40, 50, 60 years old and never thought like, all right, halfway through my cycle, I didn't know that this is what happens. And so sometimes yeah. um, without awareness, we can fall victim to things pretty quickly. And yep. I think we're about how do we cultivate agency over that? And for females, I just think that it's empowering to know this is what's happening with your hormones. You're, yeah. you're on a like, you know, uh, a month long cycle where men are getting hormones like every 24 hours. So, wow. so we can't compare ourselves to our partner. No. Have energy and capacity consistently day over day, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're getting fed differently because mm-hmm. we're built differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so both, yeah, amazing. There's really no difference. There's a lot of um, habits that we implement within the men and women of discomfort yeah. of the journey. Um, the only thing that's different is the intermittent fasting. And that's just what we curb like sure. a, a couple of hours, like per day for the women's side. Other than that, level playing field, you know? We're yeah. beautiful like creations, um, but there's just a, a conversation that can happen on the women's side of you're not more emotional. You're just more intuitive at certain times. Yes. Oh, I love that language change. Thank you. That's so fantastic. I'm like, I'm nodding my head vigorously. Y'all can't see me, but I'm nodding my head vigorously because this is part of what inspired me to go on this journey. Mm-hmm. I got hit with things, including hormone stuff mm-hmm. that no one talked to me about, including my female doctors, yeah. my female doctors that I was literally learning between 45 and 50. I'm like, why aren't we having these conversations for heaven's sake? And so I, the upside for my kid, my daughters, I'm like, all right, these are the questions you're asking. These are the tendencies in our family. One of our, um, our initial team that helped me found the podcast, Valencia San Luis. She was our original editor producer. She has her, her own um, Instagram called Flow in Sync because she's taken a deep dive into what happens to your body throughout the month. And she has figured out ways. She knows when she's going to be more productive. She knows when she's going to be more creative. She knows when she's going to have more energy and when it's not, when it's time to sit back and rest a little more. I'm like, she's got it figured out. And she's got this whole like diet and exercise regime that she adjusts each week based on where her cycle is and how her body responds to it. She's gotten to a point that she's pretty much minimized her cramping. Like it's not that it's not there, but she just has learned how her body works. And she's gone on, she shares it on her Instagram site and she channels a lot of other people. I feel like you guys should talk. I'm going to share your information with her because she's, she's taken a whole dive into this and she's, you know, she's, around Kylie. She's between Kylie and Courtney's age. So she's doing this, you know, in her mid twenties. And I'm like, thank God. And a lot of it was born out of these conversations that her and I would have. I'm like, get on this stuff now. It is insane to me that I had to get to the point I was at 50 years old before any, and, and it was by me continuing to pound on doors and demand answers of mm-hmm. what's happening in my yeah. body. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I was, you know, halfway through menopause before mm-hmm. there was any kind of conversation going on about it. And just, I love how you turn the table on that intuitive versus emotional mm-hmm. part. Everybody's heard about the emotional woman and it's like, let's turn, let's change the narrative here. Yeah. And and change how we talk about these things. Because you also mentioned something earlier that I think was really important in talking about anger that we tend to get so consumed with not sinning in our anger 
that we don't deal with the anger. Yeah. <laughs> we don't, we don't, you know, and one of the things my therapist said to me, she goes, you got to get that anger out. You can't just like try mm-hmm. to hurry up and deal with it and then get to the other side of it. It's not gone. Mm-hmm. You got to express it. And there's yeah. healthy ways to do that. So I'm really glad you brought that up too. But I love that you're having these conversations in this context because we have to normalize it. It has to be an expectation that we are doing that and that it's not considered uncomfortable or inappropriate, right? No, this is our body that was created and it was intended to not be hidden or be any kind of shame around having or embarrassment about having these very important conversations. So I'm that's, that's exciting. I think I've just seen too many narratives kind of written by, you know, my female friends or people within my network that, um, had a certain emotion and, um, instead of allowing the emotion to kind of point to something, you know, sure. like, is this like, where am I at with my hormones? Yeah. Um, or is like, is there an external circumstance? And that's where I saw shame start kind of sprouting was yeah. an external circumstance that's making me feel down or flat but I feel that way. So maybe I'm depressed. And it's that moment that I'm like, let's just inform a different option in that moment of no, wait, 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 let's not title it because that gives it power. Let's right. just open to there's hormones that are happening. I don't, obviously the world hasn't gotten to a point of being able to explain hormones in a simple enough way that people can absorb it and have their sure. mind go to, okay, maybe like there's, you know, the three key hormones that are happening in my body they dip all at the same time at at certain points in your your cycle. And so it's going to, you're going to feel this, this, and this. So, so I think it's getting ahead of narratives that get away from us as women based on feel when it's really like, take a second. And so I think practically um, my biggest tactic that I've applied knowing this is if I'm aware of certain like times of the month, Okay. Like don't make a decision right now. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not in the mindset this week. This is not what my body's operating for. Next week's going to be a lot better. Right. Don't define it right now. See how it plays out. Give it a few days. Just kind of sit tight. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And I think another thing too is feelings are there to let us know something's going on. Yes. And, and diving into that. Okay. This is, and, and not calling them to me, there's no such thing as a bad emotion. We've got this whole like negative emotions, positive emotions. They're emotions. They're there mm-hmm. to inform us. Yes, some feel better than others. That's true. Or mm-hmm. they feel more comfortable, <laughs> not uncomfortable like we've talked about, but but they're there to inform us. And so let's let's get to the nut of what they're trying to tell us. And then like for women, look at the week you're in. Oh, that makes sense. Now I know this about my body. Mm-hmm. That That's expected and you're ready for it. You're not surprised by it. You've got tools yep. to deal with it. So, oh, such good stuff. So yeah, I knew I knew you were going to have great stuff on this. Um, all right. I'm, I'm excited to hear how those conversations go as mm-hmm. this goes on because so important because it does. It has an effect on us and it affects our whole, our mental health, our physical health, our emotional health. It's all, it's mm-hmm. all connected. All right. You are a champion at this um, and you're not a champion at this with just women, but with people, period. But how can we support ourselves and other women in living unapologetically? Hmm. Great question. Uh, So coming back to uh, the values, I just don't know how to live. And when I, I, 
if I take a step back and define unapologetically, it's just owning your life. There's this new word yes. going around, you know? Yeah. 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 There's always a new term for kind of the yes. same thing. I did yeah. happen like 15 years ago. Now it's agency. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> um, I think on, yeah, unapolog- unapologetically can go towards like this rogue, like tension kind of what I brought sure. up earlier of like, yeah. I'm just going to be myself. You do you that entire Okay. Yeah. Um, and if I see like the best case scenario, if we go that route under the term unapologetically is mm-hmm. another society with a lot of siloed people doing, sure. their, you know, all hitting the wall hard, but by themselves, yeah, but by themselves. And I just, um, even as an introvert, I just think we're wired for, um, to be in the context of a group. hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, so answering this question, like through the lens of, Okay, how do you live unapologetically with the group in mind? Yeah, I think it's like that's the focus for me, um, and it's answering this question. And so, if there's like a sequence that I mapped out in my mind of you know from point A to point B, right? So point A is like the beginning spot where we're not owning our values because we're not aware of our values. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. Is, this is fine. This is you know. At best, like the elementary school or middle schooler that is just figuring out how to make friends for the first time. Yeah. You know, values conversation may be informed by the parents, but unaware. Okay. Um, and then the next step in the, a positive direction would be um, aware, but maybe not owning yet. Mm. You know? So that's, yeah. I know my values, but when there's peer pressure, you know, I'll yeah. probably yeah. not own and stick with my boundaries. Um Yeah. And then the third step is really great. That's like awareness and I'm owning it. So I know who I am mm. and I'm owning it. Even if, you know, loved ones with the best of interest for me are telling me that's not the best decision, you know? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> not taking into account my values, but I'm owning it. And that's, right. this is where the conversation I think usually stops. And I'm asking for it to go one step further. Sure. Where, um, we're aware of our values, we're owning them, so living unapologetically, but there's this respect for others trying to do the same thing. Sure. And whatever, I don't care, whatever that looks like, as long as people are trying to figure that out, you know, right. I feel like there's a healthier direction of how can we as individuals live unapologetically with the context of the group in mind, you know, like yeah. understanding that my values and decisions in those actually affect others. And I, that, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you see it, but I'm starting to see the group is almost getting lost for the sake of the individual feeling permission to be themselves. hundred percent. And we're not doing well with it because we were built to be in a community mm-hmm. and we were built to be together. And, you know, for this, for me, it's like, if I'm living unapologetically, it's my responsibility as a human, as a woman, to help others do the same mm-hmm. and to give them permission. Like I'm inviting you into this with me. Mm-hmm. This is, this is, this is how I found my path to freedom. Come along with me and making room for all of that and getting rid of this whole scarcity idea that's yeah. out there. It's like there's room for all of us. Let's come and do this together. I'm going to encourage you. You encourage me because mm-hmm. I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think you can truly call it unapologetic if you're living siloed because you're not opening yourself up to feedback 
or support or the ability to, I mean, one of the ways I live unapologetically is by feeding into young younger women and mentoring. I've been in a lot, you know, in, in a lot of, in those spaces. That is what in, enables me to do it, having these conversations. And so I'm so glad you mentioned that because we are better together. We need each other. We as women in this day and age, we need each other. We cannot be fighting each other. We've There's enough out there trying to tell us otherwise that if we don't do it together, we're not going to we're not, we won't do it. We just, we can't, it's not possible. So I'm really glad you brought up that silo piece. Cause I think that's so important as we're going into this, because you come up and as, especially as a mom of, of three daughters, I came up in a very, very, very patriarchal Mormon space. And mm. so I busted out of that <laughs> when I went to college. Right. Um, Brady came up in a Catholic space. He busted out of that. You know, we both busted out of that. But all right, we've got three girls. We're going to raise them to be independent and strong. And they don't have, they don't, I'm like, you don't have to get married. You don't have to have children. And it was all well-intentioned, but we had to kind of circle back around. It's like, but we still love each other and we still need each other. As sisters, you're on each other teams and and you're for each other. So I feel like my generation was kind of like, well-intentioned with this whole, I am woman, hear me roar, because that's kind of how I had to operate in my space to even be heard, but then bring it back, you know, and they've gone back and they've done a good job with that. And we've come back and had family conversations about, okay, how, this is how this looks in a healthy space where I'm not just trying to pound down the doors with unhealthy people operating in an unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. I am, we are doing this together. We are for each other Mm -hmm. and we're going to root for each other. And I think that's where you are truly, Mm -hmm. because you're freer when you're living that way. So, yeah, there's, there's someone that I've never met, um, but he's impacted my life. Uh, His name's Tim Kruger and he helps start the men of discomfort. So this is pre-women. Okay. Okay. And discomfort and hearing his story. I think there's a pattern of people that live unapologetically, but have kind of a force around them. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's people like if I were to identify the pattern, it would be people that are so clear in who they are that they can really just keep their eyes down, have no, no interest in spreading, you know, their values, just be right. Like just so in tune with themselves and so disciplined. So, um, I read the other day, like self-confidence comes from keeping commitments to yourself and you can tell when somebody with self-confidence walks into the room. And so behind that is when you have those commitments to yourself. And so his story, he started this with Dane Sanders, like in 2015, Mm-hmm. I think they were kind of like drifting through life, you know, about to hit 50, yeah. right at 50. And they're like, how do yeah. we avoid the drift? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, we, uh, we all do that. <laughs> it's, it's easy. Like society yeah. is everything with an easy button. And so they're just like, how do we just backfire on that? And that's where like the, the experiment of what if we tried to live as uncomfortable as we possibly could. And so they would do things I've heard like, you know, one, go to the YMCA for a workout like 5 a.m., but then they park in the parking spot, like the farthest away from the front door, you know, <laughs> like that. They <laughs> make themselves trudge in and out of there. <laughs> yes. And people would try and join, and Tim would be like, that's probably not for you. You know, he kind of. Oh, started. wow. And, okay. um, but what they were doing and how he was living alongside Dane 
um, it was catching attention, you know, and I remember about this group, you know? Yeah. And, uh, um, he was diagnosed with cancer, um, maybe two years ago. Oh, wow. And, uh, passed away January 1st of this year. Oh, wow. Like almost to the day of me reaching out to Dane and being, of asking him like this women of discomfort thing, can we get it going? Yeah. Um, him had just passed away and Dane will tell you that his most awake year was his last year of life. Wow. And because he'd gotten comfortable in the discomfort. He, wow. Well, yeah, yes. It's it's you that he was an extreme, um, extremely faithful man. So strong yeah. in faith, but the sure. practice of, you know, values that actually like finally played out in action, you know, sure. influences life enough that someone who's never met him, you know, he sure. inspires me. <laughs> yeah, right. So that, yeah, if I were to just add an es- extra asterisk to the live unapologetically, it'd be someone mm-hmm. that's just so content with their values and how they live it out that even without trying, they're grabbing attention and influencing, you know, they've got wow. a behind them. Yeah. Wow. No, that's, that's a great example. And there's a few out there. I mean, there's a few that come to mind, but it's definitely not the rule, but what if we could all get there? Mm -hmm. I mean, oh my gosh, how much much peace, you know, the the irony of that search for peace and contentment and happiness all the time, Mm -hmm. when actually it's going a different route than maybe you've you're going on right now, you're thinking it's kind of the opposite of what you think it might be. (laughs) Oh man. I, I, wow. Okay. We could talk about that forever. All right. Thanks so much for your thoughts on that. Really good, good thoughts on that. Okay. We're going to, here's the values question. <laughs> Megan is the queen of coming back to your why and values, but talk to me about your journey on that. When did you land here? Like, were you just kind of intrinsically born that way? Ha, talk to me about your journey with that because you are on that and on that, I think at an earlier age than a lot of people get there. Hmm. So I watched Simon Sinek's TED Talk in 2012, and that's mm-hmm. that's just where it started, just to land the plane. <laughs> yep, yep. I watched that, and I had someone, a guy named Jason Miller, uh, mentor me through that. I was stepping into leadership for the first time, and mm. he was so much more qualified to do the job that I had just been given. And so I remember showing up on Monday mornings. He had said, like, every Monday, two hours to help empower me to lead the department within my job. Okay. And I, my expectation going in to those meetings was to like, sit back, you know, bring my journal and my notebook and <laughs> just tell me what to do, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was the first person that w- was like, nope, here's the whiteboard <laughs> marker. And he sat down on the couch and he just started asking me questions. Oh, and wow. it was all centered around discovering uh, the why and the values for that internship that I ultimately passed off to Sierra. Um, yeah. And uh, the paradigm shift of going from anyone and everyone can get clear in what you do. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that many really people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not that many people clarify why they want to do that, let alone um, put it into words. Sure. You know, so watching, I think watching the Simon Sinek video and being, um, my dog just coughed, uh, <laughs> watching the Simon Sinek video and understanding like, oh, okay, part of the brain, there's a part of our brain that makes the most decisions that doesn't have capacity for language. 
Okay. So what does that mean? Now we have to ask ourselves questions and just sit and think just like 10 seconds longer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If I were to ask somebody what they did yesterday, that's the part of our brain that has capacity for language and that's the easiest to spout off, but that's not where we're making decisions. You know, that's not what requires us. And so if we're wanting to one, find intrinsic motivation for ourselves to make decisions for our own lives and then talk you want to start the leadership conversation of inspiring people to action, I don't know how to do it without the why involved. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to build from there. And, but we don't, but that's not, you see so many people, organizations going with the what and the where and the how, but they don't know, they're just operational and there's no why behind it. And then they wonder why people aren't happy or fulfilled, or they have a lot of turnover because if you, and if you, you know, one, know what your values are and then be able to, you know, espouse those in a way that gets buy-in and, and brings people along too. Mm-hmm. So important. Yeah. Simon Sinek is a genius. I'm just, I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't find him till probably 2014 or 15 is the first time mm-hmm. I bumped into him and I was, it was Brady and I, both kind of did it at the same time. And it might've been from Sierra for me. I don't know. remember that, that was probably true, but it was just like, Oh my gosh, this is, you know, and it's not, when you think about it, it makes sense, but we don't sit down and think about it. You talked, said something really important about, you know, don't just go off that first intuition, sit with it a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not, we're such an impatient society that we don't mm-hmm. sit. And then we wonder why, you know, people I've, you you watch people go through their lives where they do these jobs that they hate, but they, you know, but but they keep doing them because it's what they were trained to do, and they just don't. They've never asked themselves those questions. They've just done what they went to school for, and never like looked back, and, and never thought about the possibility that maybe I can just really actually do something I love based on my yeah. why and my values. Yeah, and and then having the courage to not compromise mm-hmm. on that because I think that. You can set it, but then it's following through with it. And I think you do a beautiful job of that. I'm watching my kids do a really good job of that, way better than my generation. My generation was very much the, we were the first ones that were that were really told, okay, go get your college degree. Right. We were the first ones that were kind of, okay, get the degree, find the you know spouse, have the kids, do the thing. And then all of a sudden you're like 40, you're like, what am I doing? Oh, yeah. and, and why, how did I get here? And, yeah. and, and who told me this was the path, which is going to go really nicely into living out of your own expectations versus mm-hmm. others. Another thing that I think you're really good at that can be challenging, I think, for in some of the communities that you have been in. There yeah. is a certain community or certain expectations that go within these communities and um, and being willing to just stick to your own expectations and not get drug along into something that it's well-intentioned a lot of times, but you have a really good scope on what's for you. And I'm going to use kind of a lighthearted example, but I think it's kind of an example. I've told you all earlier, Megan is a lovely, lovely woman with, and she just kind of glows from within when you meet her. So Megan, to her detriment, people were always trying to set Megan up in all the time, you know, trying to, you know, set Megan. I'm like, leave that poor woman alone. (laughs) I I feel like, leave that poor, let her be, let her be, let her live her life. She's doing amazing things. She's fine. Um, 
So, so talk to me about living out. And that's a lighthearted example, but it's something you've had to deal with. But talk about living out of your own expectations versus others. And you have a twin. So also, (laughs) too you know, finding your identities within that because a twin is just, and you all and you and Anna are very close Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a natural sibling coupling, but even within that space, Mm -hmm. carving out your own identity and your own expectations. Yeah. So I think the, how I would answer this question is uh, kind of taking a step back and seeing one, how um, our parents raised us that was like, all right, there's a few, th- obviously you're not perfect mom and dad, but there's a few things that you really nail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then also kind of the pattern that I'm seeing with um, this, I just to jump straight to the point, this like victim mindset. So let me mm. kind of point or like tie these things together with expectations versus others. So right now, let me just talk to the kids coming out of college. Yeah. So out of, out of love, you know, people around them will tell them how to make decisions, but they won't teach them how to make decisions, if that makes sense. Right. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, so who, what 20 year old would know to ask themselves questions and figure out how to learn how to make decisions rather than just pleasing the people that are paying for college or, um, you know, the like if we could replace the helpful actions that surface like, oh, I'll make that call to this company for you and set you up with a job, mm. you know? Yeah. Well, that's, it's, it's the comfortable route. And sure. I don't know who's waking up excited that they're comfortable, which, okay, there's mm. I do take that back. There's an asterisk on that. And that's for anyone who has had a chronic disease lived sure. in a different country, okay, have basically right. had like involuntary discomfort placed on their life, okay? Right, right. This makes sense. But I guess I'm speaking to the Americans <laughs> yeah, that have grown up in mostly comfort and ease. and Privileged so, environments, yeah. Yeah, so that empowerment, it just, it doesn't seem like it's really happening. So it's cultivating a victim mindset of like the mindset that this is happening to me. Right. And that's what we need to overcome when it comes to how do we own, you know, live up to our expectations versus others. And I've just seen a lot of 20 year olds out of college make that decision of I need to keep up with everybody else. I need to take the easy route and get there quickly. And I'm just asking the question what actually there's someone in my life that I had a long conversation with this past week where I was thinking through. I was hearing from her the advice she was getting on what to pursue inside of her career. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, God, what's the better question here? And what came to me was asking her, okay, what are you the most interested in right now? Because I don't think that there's clarity when you're 20, despite mm-hmm. it's kind of an expectation, like after college, you know exactly right. what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and so the question of like, what are you the most interested in right now? And how do you go all in on it? So it's it's keeping the ownership on her, sure. Rather than oh, I know someone that you know likes this, and I could connect you, and then that could help launch you. And it's me being the hero, rather than yes. the guy. So right. And then she doesn't know how to save herself if the time comes and that, you know, all of a sudden you get to 30, 35 people, you know, people aren't doing that for you anymore. Right. And then yeah. and you're like, wait a minute, I don't know yes. how to do this. 
Yeah. And it or just, why is this happening to me? Like you said earlier, it becomes exactly. why is mm-hmm. this victim that, that's, It's not a fun mindset to live in. And so um, this, there's another conversation that surfaced in the men and women discomfort group. And so obviously there's habits that we're stacking every week that are centered around, you know, like nutrition, you know, so no alcohol, no sugar, that's really uncomfortable for people. And, you know, working out, um, we don't tell people what to do, but it's just like move one hour every day, you know, sure. And things like breath work and cold shower. And so really good habits, but um, we're not coming across as like, this is the best way to live, you know, it's basically (laughs) more about how do you increase discomfort in somebody's life when you ask them to commit to something, you know, and yeah. kind of release the, I know what's best. And right. so our main group, like age is the 30 year old to 60 year old. And so there's yeah. one specific woman. I love her to death. And she had, she had the moment that we always want to get people to, and that's kind of the breaking moment. And yeah. she came on and she's like, I'm a grown woman. Like, who are you to tell me what I can and cannot eat? And the response um, was, um, who chose to join the group? You, we are not telling you to do anything. Sure. And so we're it, suggesting we're giving you ideas, but it, you're choosing. You, yeah, to be a part of it. You don't have to be a part of this group. You can, yeah. you know, if you want to. And so it kind of flipped the ownership on her to go from victim mindset. I, you know, you're telling, you're making me do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're yeah. reminding her, like, you actually have more ownership on your life than you realize. You chose yeah. this. And you, you get to choose to stay in this another day. You get to choose it again tomorrow and the next day. And so I'm, I'm noticing, I just spoke to, you know, the 20 year olds right out of college, but I'm also speaking to the 50 year olds that. Yeah. Um, kind of have that similar pattern of like life is happening to me. And so I think Mm -hmm. all in all to live out of our own expectations, it comes from understanding I have a lot of ownership in my life. Yeah. More than I realize. And um, there's some people that are like, know what's at stake and are ready to kind of dive in and own Mm -hmm. it. There's some others that are just like, yeah, priority. And so I guess I'm speaking to the people that understand, um, what's at stake when it comes to understanding how much agency you have over your life at yeah. any age, at any age. Yeah. And it's a series of choices. I mean, there are things that happen to us, but even within that, there's a choice, mm-hmm. Yes, you know? And so it's seeing it from a, that choice standpoint. I think that's any boy, you're right though. Those, you know, there's, it's kind of crazy. This whole kids transition, they're not kids, they're 20 year olds, so young adults, they transition out of college and there's just it's so interesting the gal that I was mentoring a couple years ago I mentioned her earlier she faced a lot of this when she came out of school Mm. and she um and we had to talk through a lot okay okay this is what your parents are telling you you want to do you don't want to do that Mm. you have a choice in having a conversation with them about that you can just jump into grad school because that's what would make them happy or you can go create this site and it's a choice. Now you have to look at, are there consequences with this choice or, you know, and, and be willing to own those. Fortunately for her, there weren't any like tough ones that would keep her from doing it. They weren't going to like kick her out in the street. She was still bringing in some money and, you know, for a job. So there was nothing like so consequential that it was like, okay, you know, how do we do this? But it was just like, you're an adult Mm -hmm. and Um, so you get to make these choices now they they you know they're not going to make those but you have to decide that and 
Yeah, it's really, really interesting. I think it's just really can be really difficult. And it's very difficult for parents to let go. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult um, for parents to let go. We, Brady and I have not always done it perfectly, but I think, you know, uh, one thing that we did do well, I, I, I always go back to this. So when Sierra was deciding where to go to school, we lived in Spokane, Washington at the time. And Sierra was deciding where to go to school and she wanted to play volleyball, but she wanted to be at high academic. She wanted to go somewhere different. She wanted to be, you know, Chicago, Boston, New York. She wanted to go on, on an adventure and the area we live in. And I think I've discovered there's a lot of areas like this across the country, but people were telling us, you can't let her go that far away. You can't let her go to New York. You can't let her, you know, because mostly if she was looking at, you know, Midwest to East Coast and um, and we're like, yeah, we why? Why would you why would you think that? Like the response from people telling us and and them telling their kids where they could and couldn't go, they would use, you know, I think it's really easy. They would use like, well we need you to do this because it's affordable. And that may have been true, but there was also a choice when they, in that for the kid that they weren't really presenting. I'm like, if you do this Mm -hmm. or that, you can go do that. And I saw so many just flat out, no, you can't do that. Or, and, 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 and the kids just kind of like, okay, well, I guess I can't do that. But even within that, not taking the agency, a few did, but for the most part, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that what the things people were saying, I was not prepared for that. Brady and I were like, she's 18 years old. She can legal, she can do, She's getting scholarships here. She's, right. I, you know, I mean, who am I? I mean, will I miss her? Of course I will. But mm-hmm. what kind of parent would I be if I put that those kinds of parameters on her? But it was, but it's hard. It's a hard thing to do, and that sets the landscape for how they proceed from there. If there's not, mm-hmm. if they're not willing and I, you know, and bold enough or confident enough or audacious enough to just be like, nah, not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And step now they can stay, you can stay in that pattern your whole life. So yeah, yeah. really yeah. important. I'm, I'm not a parent. Um, and so I have zero interest in thinking that um, there's, yeah, that I could do it better. Uh, I can't wait though for God to give me a shot at it though. But what I'm just noticing, there's kind of lack of direction growing up with mm-hmm. formative years, you know, where it's like, yeah. you don't have a choice because you don't quite know what's best. And I'm seeing parenting kind of get really flexible in the younger years, sure. which is crazy. Um, and then get really rigid in the years where they're meant to be launched. Yeah. yeah. Instead of preparing them, like setting them up to be ready to do that yeah. on their own. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So, no, we call, we call them helicopter parents. It's just like, yeah, let them fail, let them yeah. get out. You know, there's so much that can happen in the 20s before they've got real responsibilities, you know, family, right. spouses and kids and um, finances. And so if there's if there's and that's that was the goal of the internship is how do we create a space where um, people feel believed in and challenged um, and kind of set up to fail so they can yeah. deal with failure and not avoid it the rest of their lives. Yeah. Um, and not feel shame about it. Right. Yeah. And it's. Yeah. It's, what what I saw happen was 18, 19, and 20 year old, you know, college athletes um, step up to a level of character that like astounded me. All to yeah. the point where any job that I've had working with, you know, middle aged men and women, it's like kind of disappointing because I saw these, <laughs> you know, college athletes step up into a level of character of like, I hire every single one of you and trust you with my bank account because if, you set a standard and a challenge for somebody to rise up and meet it. And I think that's what that generation 
is looking for right now. They're in the workforce right now and they're looking to be given responsibility and believed in um, because it's, um, it's kind of been taken away from them, you know, for the sake of comfort. (laughs) Right. I know the, the irony, the irony of the whole thing on how it's like you're doing the the opposite of what you're actually trying to accomplish here. You're going about it the way that would actually be effective. Wow. Wow. So interesting. And yeah. And I think that, yeah, we underestimate what, what they're capable of. And, and so then they do, and if they don't have a space to practice. Yeah. It's hard time believing in themselves. And so I looking at the, yeah, still the generation, I guess like your generation and the parents have like broken so many circles you know, and cycles. Yeah. So I'm not dogging anybody. I'm just saying. Oh, sure. But there's more to do and more. Yeah, yeah. sure. Someone's going to talk about my generation's parenting style, but I feel like for the sake of like comfort and ease after a really hard generation, it's like, let's just set everything up for you. So I'll leave it. Yeah. At that. No, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. And, you know, and they don't know how to deal with discomfort and therefore they'll never find peace. So that's, that's where we, that's what we've learned today. <laughs> All right. Um, Accepting the layered aspects of ourselves. And that's just all the layers, all the things we're made of, you know, touched a little bit on emotions and shame and failure and how to deal with those unhealthy ways, uncomfortable things. Talk about those, those layers and embracing them. Yeah. So I think with this question, um, a recent kind of colleague of mine, Reed Pretty, that I got to work with, he taught me a lot about this. So, mm. and it's really about like discovering new aspects of yourself. Yeah. Um, and Carol Dweck, you know, presented the idea of growth mindset to the world. And so I think everybody's familiar with that. Yeah. Working with Reed opened up my mind to even more. And so Mm. what I mean by that is basically if you can imagine like a circle and the circle represents like your current capacity. Mm -hmm. And, um, and this is the zone that people have a tendency to just leverage rather than try and expand. Um, Mm -hmm. And so thinking about, okay, how do you put into action expanding the circle and like finding another level within yourself, you know? And mm-hmm. that could be like in a, any aspect of life, just being a yeah. leader. Um, yeah. And uh, I think the, I love personality tests. I love them, but I hate them because context usually isn't brought into the conversation. Sure. Yeah. As, <laughs> yeah. as to why and how they got there and is, and that, and they also change. I think that it's like people will take those and they'll be like in their, when they're 25 and like, that's how I am. And that, that's, and it's like, you need to check that again. You're yes. 45 and I'm, lots happened. <laughs> A lot's happened. And I think God brings us into different seasons. hundred percent. Absolutely. So I think, I think I, um, if there wasn't a openness to understanding context and environment and God bring you in different seasons, I would be approaching. So the season I'm in like right now, I've, I think at my best, I can bring clarity to leading a team and leading teams. Well, the Mm -hmm. three roles that I'm working with right now, I'm not leading anything. I am a behind the scenes background guide person. And it's just, I think if, um, you know, discovering new aspects within yourself, there's an acknowledgement that you lead in certain seasons and then you follow and serve in certain seasons, you know? Yeah. And it's, yep. it, that's not a play on your identity or your worth. There's just something else going on. And I think it's all, if there, if you look at patterns in the Bible, there's 
a pattern to what God's up to and it's expansion all the time. You know, he starts in the home and then it goes out and it keeps expanding and there's always new and growth. And so when it comes to our personal capabilities and, um, I like how you put it, like layered aspects of ourselves. I just think there's always something to discover. Mm -hmm. And what it takes is a a willingness to kind of like go out of your like circle of competency and try something because um, at some level, um, it's like if you try something outside of your circle, you just expanded like that part of the circle. And then you try Mm -hmm. something over here and just like slowly grows. And so I bring up Reed because he... Four-time Olympian, changed sports, got a lot yeah. of for it, and uh, um, it was it was watching somebody get what we're talking about, like right. there's always something more. And he loves the pursuit. It's nothing to, it's not for more medals because he's like that. He understands those are fleeting. Um, yeah. To if if you can kind of master the art of learning something. Mm-hmm. And that we kind of have at Men and Women to Discover, we've got like a acronym, Credo. So C-R-E-D-O. Mm-hmm. And the first three is kind of the like actions for this. So like commit, um, release and engage. So like commit okay. to something, go all in. None of this like step in, step out. <laughs> right, right. So you're either you're in or you're out for however yeah. long the time. Commit, um, release options. Which kind of, that's giving up what you think you know is best. Oh, ooh, that boy, if we could all get everybody to do that right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And that's my biggest hurdle with things. Seriously, I'm sure. speaking right now. I'm speaking right Well, now. I think we all have a, that some of that in us. And I think that's kind of, you know, going into a broader context, why we are where we are in mm-hmm. the, our country right now. Mm-hmm. You're right. I know it's best and I'm not willing to try anything. Um, and then the E is, um, engage wholeheartedly. So we used mm. to with men and women of discomfort, um, well, not we, they did right in the beginning. If somebody kind of missed a habit or missed a check-in or something, they kick them out. <laughs> wow. Um, and they realized you were kind of missing the point. And what we're really looking for is for people to be wholehearted. Sure. That's where transformation happens. That's where agency yeah. is cultivated um, is to show up and be all in and there. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm recognizing that there's, you know, teams that are functioning at a high capacity kind of have these patterns of like totally in, like mm-hmm. releasing that I know what's best and taking options away. And when you release sure. options, that's where you have freedom to kind of be more engaged in what you're saying yes to and yeah. to just not negotiate with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And not talk yourself in and out of things, Mm -hmm. you know, based on your limited circle piece. I think you said something important. I don't think you can continue to be an effective, good leader if you don't take seasons to learn. Hmm. I, I, you just, you're not going to be relevant with the time, with who you're dealing with, with how life has changed, with how you've changed. I mean, I think that you see, and I see, you see this a lot in my generation. I think people in their fifties or sixties that are kind of locked in to how they were leading in the mid nineties, when they first late nineties, early two thousands, when they first got into leadership and this generation of, of my kids and in your age are like, uh, uh-uh. uh. That's yeah. just not how we roll. Right. <laughs> we, 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 we do not do it that way. We want balance in our lives. We want a why a values, you know, environment. We want to feel like, we're, I mean, the whole nine yards. 
And so they're they're marking themselves either irrelevant or no one wants to work for them. They have high turnover. Mm-hmm. People don't want to work for them. Like they'll 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 give them the mission. They'll get people in, but they don't stay, and they can't understand why. And they're saying, "Oh, oh this generation, how about let's stop for a minute, <laughs> you know?" And so that's why I think that's so important. It's just recognizing those seasons, and that's why that you will always be an effective. Hmm. leader if you continue to take those seasons to learn. Now, that doesn't mean you can't learn while you're leading. I'm, that's not what I'm well, saying. I'm not saying you got to quit your CEO job and go learn for a year and then yeah. go back. That I'm not saying that, but just keeping that mindset and being flexible and looking at, you know, if you're been leading for 15, 20 years and you're still leading the same way you were 15, 20 years ago, you might want to step back and take yeah. a look at that. Yeah, totally. You know, and be, be willing to learn. Yeah. Remain a learner. I mean, that's, that has become my mantra the last three to five years. And it's allowed me to continue to step into, I'm still learning how to live my best life. I'm 53 years old and that will be a process until it's my time to go. And I think sometimes people get to a certain space and age and they just refuse to to take in any more information. They just, I am what I am and I'm not going to be any different. And it's like, that's, what kind of life is, you know, okay, you might be comfortable, but, you know, but do you wake up with a lot of energy every day? Are you curious about what's mm-hmm. happening in the world? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's, yeah. that, that's for me has been the most important thing. Mm-hmm. If I don't hand anything else down to my daughters and to the women I mentor, it's like, stay curious, mm-hmm. be a learner, never think. And because I will tell you, I'm a completely different person in how I see the world from where I was 10 years ago. And it's influenced by a lot of things. We've moved and lived different spaces across the country. I moved out of, very, out of a very protected siloed space in Northeast Washington State to Chicago and New York. I've just seen and learned different things. I've had different experiences. I've seen other spaces. I'm now in West Texas, which is a whole other wild experience. <laughs> um but but I mean, but if, I, if Brady and I hadn't gone into that being willing to learn within those spaces, we would have just ran back to Spokane because that was comfortable. Mm-hmm. That was comfortable. It didn't challenge our thinking. It didn't challenge what we thought we already knew. And it's been hard. I'm not saying it's been easy. We've had a lot of discomfort along the way. But I, for where I'm at now and how, how I see the world and how I'm coming into being, I continuing to evolve into the self best self that I was created to be, mm-hmm. I absolutely would not, yeah. would not yeah. change that. Yeah. But, I think that's what um, we were kind of discussing at the beginning of like boundaries and the tension of owning, you know, the deep values that are rooted that really you need to have in your life to sure. give yourself and then being open to like stepping outside and, um, being open to knowing like maybe there's a better way and I'm yes. going to try it. You know, I'm going to try it long enough. You know, I feel like there's this like 90 day test testing period to know if yeah. like, things actually worth it before you and uh, not throwing the game plan out. Um, right. You know, before you rework it, it was like stick with it. And that's, that was my experience with this men and women of discomfort. I was an athlete. I helped open a health and wellness type like business and mm-hmm. I came in and, you know, was being told like, all right, you're going to work out, you know, an hour a day. I'm like, check. Okay. I do that. You know, you're going to eat this, but not this. And it was an extremely boring diet. It was a certain type of breath work. It was cold showers every day in the middle of January. And uh, the, um, 
I didn't have a hard time with the actual habits. It was this like being told what to do yeah, <laughs> that I yeah. had time with. And so releasing what I think I know is best was my personal journey of growth and figuring out, okay, I feel like there's beauty to be found here. It's 90 days. You know? Yeah, I can, I can do anything, you know, yes. within reason for 90 days. Even if it's wrong, let me try it out for 90 days. Sure. And there was something in that process of not being the expert of my own life. That, yeah. Um, I don't know. It was extremely humbling. It was so healthy to to experience, but it's so weird to talk about. <laughs> it is. It is. And But I think it's that whole humility piece. And I love what you said, not being the expert of my own life and just mm-hmm. keeping that door open keeping that door. Uh, we, we could talk about that all day. All right. Um, it's like so many of these things. Um, in summary, in Living Out Feel, Finding Empowerment, Embracing Layers, which is the name of our podcast, um, in kind of summary, how does this affect the quality of your life and your relationships? When you are living in that, your empowerment, you're embracing your layers, how does that affect your relationship with yourself and then with the, those that you're in relationship mm-hmm. with? So I'll bring up, um, I didn't write this, but it really sums up where, um, like the hopeful outcome when it comes to impacting relationships and that's Mm -hmm. strong and awake for love's sake. Mm. So, um, like strong when it comes to understanding life has storms and we could actually really proactively get ready for them. Where we're, I think anti-fragile is a book that a lot of people reference in this kind of conversation of being rigid, but flexible. Yeah. You know, so there's patterns, you know, there's like personal practices in my everyday that happen every day, but I'm not rigid about it. So if I travel, you know, they're just at different times of the day in different ways, Um, but remaining like disciplined and committed to that. And so strong, I think that's how kind of strong applies to me. And then awake um, is an awareness of being able to walk in the room and I'm, I'm set because there's been a self-discipline and commitment I've kept to myself Mm. that I have a capacity to think of others. And what's crazy, there's so many stories. I wish I could like share with you the stories of like awakeness that have happened in the men and women of discomfort group. It's like teachers that had the capacity to um, like basically be a first responder on site at a, crisis that happened at the school before the first responders actually got there. Wow. They were physically ready, you know, because it's, we practice taking care of our bodies. They were mentally ready because we practice embracing hard things. Sure. And so that awakeness there, and then it's all for love's sake. It's, it's not being strong and awake for yourself. It's being able to be present and there for um, people that you know, and that you don't know. Yeah. The greater community. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. That's so good. I've I've written all these things down. I'm like, oh, these are great. These are going to be great notes as yeah. as as we prepare to to promote this episode. All right, um, we're down to our rapid fire. Name five activities that nourish you. Hmm. So yeah, there's when I was talking about the five th- or the things that happen every day for me. Yeah, it, there's five. It's quiet, um, going on a walk, connecting with somebody, like deep connection, not just mm-hmm. like a Zoom call with a colleague. Deep connection, sure. uh, some kind of working out where I'm challenging my body physically and then showering. There's something okay. about like show up, get your hair ready, you know, put yourself together. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think there's a lot to that. I mean, I feel differently. Like I might kind of be grudging like, all right, I gotta go, go, get, get. but then I come out and get ready and I feel differently yeah. than if I would have just 
thrown on my, you know, yoga pants and gone out the door. And there's time for that. But yeah, when you're, there's some intentionality that goes into that and you do feel like a different way about yourself and how you, and how you show up. Exactly. All right. Five words on how you want to feel the next six months. Hmm. Well, I mean, under the banner of discomfort, I well, I hate myself for saying this, but I want to, I started understanding the the beauty of leaning into discomfort and exposure and pressure. Mm, So say those are, you know, things that I want to feel because I know what happens on the back end. Like I have a deeper gratitude for things that I used to not be grateful for. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, Like increased capacity, feeling strength like deeper mm. connection with people around me, um, self-confidence, that kind of stuff will happen yeah. if I lean into pressure and exposure and vulnerability. And <laughs> just- Wow. Okay. Well, if anyone can do it, you can, I, I have full confidence in you. I, like I said, I love watching these journeys that you do because they're always done. You always make me think in a different way. Mm-hmm. You always present different ways that I'm always like, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. That's so intriguing. I wouldn't have thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a really, it's funny, I had in our, uh, episode with Dr. Bernadine Waller um, that I just had a conversation on a couple of weeks ago. She and I talked a lot about people, you know, throw out the dirt and they throw out the coal. She goes, but within coal, with that pressure, become diamonds. Yeah. And, you know, and you can't, but you don't get the diamond without going through some of the pressing and, mm-hmm. um, and pressure that goes into that, you know, so being willing to do that, to to produce this beautiful diamond that, um, you wouldn't, you, there's just, there's only one way through it, but if you're willing to walk through it, wow, mm-hmm. wow. What you get in the end. So I think that that is so important. And that just reminded me of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Megan, thank you so much. It adds audience. You could tell, we could talk about several of these things for days and days and days. There's so much content within all of them. And since she was the author of so many of these, she's got even more ideas right. around them than I do. Um, but I can't wait to see, um, I'm always excited and love watching what you do because you are, like I said, you just care for people in such a deep, important, intentional way. And whenever you go into something, it's always for the betterment of the greater community. Mm -hmm. You just always want what's best for people in the healthiest way possible. And you do it by empowering instead of an enabling. And mm-hmm. I think that's such an important difference and just makes you such a force. And I look forward to, you know, people getting to learn from you and follow you for generations to come because mm-hmm. you just, you have, you're so gifted that way. And I love watching you continue to discover these different paths. So for all this information of all these things we talked about today, audience, you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be, we're going to talk about it in our blog. We're going to have a, it on our resources page. You can find those both on our website. We're going to promote it on all of our socials, um, websites, embracinglayers.com, at embracinglayers on Instagram. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter. Um, we are on, um, what else? YouTube. We're everywhere. I, there's literally no place you can't find us. You can find our podcast linked on the website. You can find it um, on wherever you listen to your podcast. So lots of places to find these resources. And for some reason you can't, email me embracinglayers at gmail.com and I will get you the information that Megan shared today because like I said there was lots of nuggets in this but thanks again for your time enjoy your time with your sister and brother-in-law and parents in Charleston and oh I'm just so happy to catch up with you today thank you Melissa thank you so much you bet and podcast audience have a great week